We're back. Another episode time. However, there's only two of the three, what, musketeers, wolf pack? What do you want to call it? Um, I like wolf pack. Wolf pack. You said that last time. Mm-hmm. Wolf pack's, uh, I just like it because I like the movie. Three Stooges. And I like Three Stooges, too. Well, let's start there. If we were Three Stooges, who's who? Um, I'm definitely Shep. I was going to say you were definitely Curly. <laughs> I knew that you were going down that road. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, we're back. Another episode. We've got, uh, got another phone in today from the Bay, the Bay Area, down in Florida. Two guests today. It's going to be a lot of fun because I have a feeling we're going we're gonna to just run the gamut from classic U.S. soccer history as a player, as a coach, and fast forward into the 21st. I, I, I had this little thing the other day. We can't really say we're in the 21st century anymore because we're like 23 years into the 21st century. But we're advanced well beyond Y2K, right? So what's what's a fair statement? What do you say? Like, you know, talking about the future, the, the, the current state, how it's so much further past the past. I would just say that we're uh, in the infant stages of the 21st century. Infant stages? Yeah. 23 years? I mean, there's a lot of humans that have been born... In the last 23 years. I would say that I'm probably three quarters away through my life just because of the way I live it. And I, if we're I agree, Curly. only <laughs> a quarter of the way through our next century's life, I think infant stages work. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I completely shifted gears there because it, I started to say the other day, Somebody said something about a piece of technology, and I'm like, hey, welcome to the 21st. And then I realized that was a dumb statement. <laughs> because the technology we're talking about is, like, literally in the past two, two years, you know? I don't know. We need to come up with something. We need to market, claim the rights to the new, it's the 21st century saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, because people during the Great Depression, you know, they didn't say, hey, welcome to the 20th century. This is the problems. It was that that was twenty two years later. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, anyway. yeah, you're right. Yeah, <clears throat> digress. Um, Want to kick this off? Um, you know, we've been so lucky to have support uh, from not only you, the listeners, and let me remind you: if you're listening, literally the nicest thing you could ever do for us is write a review, because apparently, Apple, Spotify, those reviews, those are gold. It's like a $20 tip. And you don't even need to reach into your wallet. Just put one sentence. Like, I love Jared. That's it. I love Jared. I love <laughs> barbecue and... <laughs> the um, Yeah. I, so if you don't mind, that would, that would go a really long ways. Um, but we also have actual supporters uh, in the form of our buddies Chris and Bill and crew over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. Um, big news today. I, I immediately thought of them. Uh, Fed came out, said, "You know what? 
we look pretty good. In fact, next year we think we're looking at at least three rate cuts. And then all of a sudden, in the span of one hour, the market went shit house. I oh mean, my god, it was crazy. So I mean, you just, dr- it, it's just amazing to me in our financial community. It, it's really not amazing to me, but this dude can come out and speak in in. And by the tone of what he speaks or by the facts of what he says, the market is goes haywire either way on whatever he says. And everything he said today, it's been pretty accurate. And the market responded today because well, of the, um, you know, the glass half full type shit going on next year. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... It's one of those things, the, the, the interest rate number, you know, the, ten, the two-year, five-year, ten years that heavily influence banks and lending. You know, guys like PinnacleLoans.com, you know, the, the partners that they work with, those rates, those, those things, tomorrow morning when you wake up, they're going to be significantly lower because it's moving. So anyway, I want, I want to thank those guys for supporting the show, and we're going to get to our Pinnacle Points in a second. But the, the, the recent, the, the new uh, lover of the show, supporter of the show, we've got the Explore STL, just a tremendous organization, um, which brings me to, I'm going to fast track into this. We've rolled out this new little uh, piece, shtick, whatever we want to call it, called the Explore Trifecta, where we pick a neighborhood and then let you, the listener, know kind of like our picks for where to sleep, what to eat, what to do in those neighborhoods. <clears throat> and in honor of our host today, because we had to move it around a little bit since we were dialing in, we're down here in the Grove, the Grove on Manchester between uh, Shoto and Van Deventer and Kings Highway at Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, uh, which you've stated over and over again, it's your favorite beer. Oh, it's delicious. I mean, this Balkan Street box lager, I, it, just come try it. Just just do do yourself a favor, and you don't have to necessarily get this one, but if you do, you'll thank me, and they have many more that are delicious. So so let's just, we're going to jump right into it, and I'm going to get the kind of the easy part out of the way, where to stay. Because Barnes and everything is so close, there are tons of... Uh, cool, affordable hotels close by, nice new ones, H2, H2 suites, things like that, that are right here in the neighborhood. That's the easy one. Just Google the Grove Hotels, you're going to get a whole list of them. Stay wherever you want to stay, because everything that we're about to talk about are, is walkable. Um, I, I'll go first, things to do, Okay. and you're going to do the food. This neighborhood prides itself on festivals and events. The largest Oktoberfest is here at Urban Chestnut. We blocked the block off, um, and it, it's massive. It's a blast. It's three days. You know, in the you also have Grove Fest, which you guys just recently worked. Which I mean, it's just a party. Call it what it is. It's a party. Um, you got the World Naked Bike Ride rides through the neighborhood here, and it gets things get crazy. It's just one of those neighborhoods that follow the Grove on any social media platform. Look for the events. You're going to have options and plenty of places, especially our friends here at Urban, to kind of stop and rehydrate. And then when you're down here, what are you going to eat? And I, I have a feeling I know where you're going. Well, I'm going to go two places. First off, I'm going to give love to where you just gave love to. We are at UCBC in the Grove. Um, if you like New York-style pizza, 
yeah, and we've you talked. like a slice, um, you absolutely have to get their pizza because uh, the f- it's got the flop. It does have the flop. Um, it, it, it's delicious. It has good taste. Uh, fill our listeners in. Um, the, the crust isn't just your average Joe crust. What, what is the no, crust? No, no, no. It came from, uh, it was originated from uh, <clears throat> bakery around the corner. Um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Well, you, you think Union about loafers. that. Union loafers. Yeah, you're right. Union loafers does, does, does the crust fresh. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And then they also have your normal German fare. So, so I thought you were going to go with. Uh, you know where I'm going next. Sandwiches. If you live in St. Louis, if you're within 100 miles of St. Louis, and if you have not been to Gramophone, you are doing yourself and your family a disservice. They have the most delicious sandwiches. Always they have live music. Um, What I've been doing now, because I went through the whole menu, I just go there and I get the daily special. (laughs) <laughs> and and you cannot go wrong. Their sandwiches, if, if if you follow them on social media and you just see a picture of their sandwiches, you will wet your pants. Yeah, so the Gramophone is definitely, you know, there's big debates in all communities about their food scene, et cetera. In St. Louis, we are known. One of the things I would argue that we're more known for here locally, and we debate sandwich shops over the whole St. Louis style pizza or whatever. I think, you know, because you got the hill and you've got... Blue City. Blue City and the Gramophone. Yeah, you're anywhere near the neighborhood and you're running around. Come down to the city. Go to Gramophone in the Grove. Get we, yourself a sandwich. We get anyway. nothing from Gramophone for saying this, so we're just calling a spade a spade. Here's what I will say. I have a kid living with me from Oklahoma City, and if we're within 50 miles and it's time to eat, <laughs> he wants to go to Gramophone. Yeah, so that's our, that's our Explore trifecta. We actually tossed out... We boxed up a quad there, I believe. <clears throat> uh, come down the Grove, check it out. Um, world of news, things that we typically t- touch on a little bit. We, we tend to do it through our pinnacle points of the day. Easy way for us to s- speak our mind as far as what's going on. Um, I got a lot going through my head. What? What's, you, what's yours? You, I got you go first today. What you got? You go ahead, because uh, uh, I'll react to it, because I have two that I really want to touch on. So the one, STL City, a little soccer news. STL City today announced there was a big trade with Nashville. And I was looking for player names and everything else. And shame on me, I just didn't read the post. And it was a trade. But it was St. Louis gets a foreign player slot. And Nashville got in the trade... Uh, hundred and or no, I don't even remember. Hundred seventy-five thousand in yeah, TAM they, money, yep. or so they get this real slash artificial money for a artificial player spot. <laughs> so, but it was like big news in the trade for the team, which tells me they're they're being strategic. You know, they they probably already have somebody targeted because they were, I believe, at their limit of foreign players. So making that trade, they're going to go overseas again, fill another slot. Uh, and I want to piggyback on on, on on their movement specifically. The young six defensive holding mid that we picked up, the Durkin kid, who has national team minutes, youth national team minutes. You know who he's got a relationship with? Who's that? Professional relationship with. Who's that? Friend of the show. Greg? Yep. That's Mr. wonderful. Draws. Mr. Draws, we'll be talking. Um, here's what I will say. Um, jury's out, and we can all have opinions on this show or other shows on great, good, better, not good. But here's what I will say. Um, 
that's a spot on our field where we need minutes, especially with the amount of competitions we have and with the, our other six going to play international minutes. That is a spot that we need. We need depth there. Yep. No, I'm with you. What's your, uh, what's your pinnacle point of the day? My pinnacle point of the day is I'm going to go off of soccer. I'm, I'm going to do two, but my first one is is our St. Louis Blues coach um, gets the axe last the night. Ruby. After um, after a, a Detroit Red Wings game at home, we lose four straight. I'm going to leave it like this. This is a soccer show, so we're not going to get too much into it. But Doug Armstrong's calling the shots there. Um, for me, Doug, um, that's your fall guy because – our lack of results is not coaching. It's um, the the lack of the roster you put together. And so I, I understand in this game it's a business and you got to win. Um, but I don't know that that's the right. I mean, that guy brought us our only Stanley Cup. Yeah, and he'll go down in Blues history as that guy, mm-hmm. as that coach. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. I I just don't follow a lot of mm-hmm. of hockey, Blues hockey in particular. Um, but when I read that headline, I was really surprised because it seems like, again, it's a scapegoat. I think that's a perfect word for it. Last, last, last thing, real quick, because um, we got to run here. Um, Champions League match day six today. Yeah. Um, uh, Pulisic comes on, scores, ties it up in the second half. They get a late winner um, by goal differential because uh, PSG beats Borussia. They go to Europa, so AC Milan does not go into the round of sixteen. But I like that in your club, all these people bad-mouthing Chris and Pulisic over the years, what does he do? He goes to AC Scores Milan, goals. and he's been their best player to date. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I, I was never anti-Pulisic. I was just anti-Pulisic on Chelsea. Okay. Because I, I think that the system, the stress of that league in particular, I wanted him to get minutes, and he was never going to get minutes in England. Okay. He goes to Milan. Touche. Getting the minutes. And he's playing in big games, and it's set up for him. Yeah. So, and it only helps the U.S. national team going into uh, 2026. Good and segue, U.S. national team. Yeah. So, without further ado, because, we, again, we've got our guest dialing in today from the Tampa Bay region. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to do a quick refill down here at Urban Chestnut. Um, and when we come back, we're going to have two. We got a twofer. So maybe Zach decided to get out of the way today just to allow for the fourth voice. Because that's usually how it rolls out, right? You down with that? Yeah, I'm down. All right, here we go. We're going to roll out. What do you think of the music, by the way? Uh, It's heavy guitar. You know I like it. Skid Row, man. 18 in life. I remember you. Remember these? This This is my early high school days. This is... This is roller skating rink music here, right? Yep, you're right. All right, man. We're going to do this. We're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough It's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com. 
simply the best in home loans. Hey everybody, the uh, fall outdoor season's over, the high school season's over, and everything outside just looks gray and dreary. So, if you're still looking for a soccer fix, head out to the Family Arena and go check out some indoor soccer brought to you by St. Louis Ambush. Check it out, Check hit them up on social media, hit them up online, go get your tickets, family friendly, and keep up with the pace, keep the kids busy, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Do that again. <laughs> are you the are you the uh, the chich girl? Yeah, I'm the air drum guy, the 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 sound effect guy. Kind of like a doo-wop girl from Motown, only chich. Have you noticed? Because you have a kid. These kids that are listening to hip hop days, these 15 year olds, hip hop these days. There's so many sound effects. You know the sound effect that I like the best in these songs. They do. Oh, I hate that all the time. I, what 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 are they doing? Because they can't sing <laughs> or write. So they come up with artificial sounds. Uh, rolling us back in straight from break, uh, playing a little Tom Petty in honor of our two guests that are down in Florida. Because Tom Petty is a good old Florida boy. Is he a Jacksonville guy? Was a, was a Florida boy. No, Gainesville boy. Gainesville. He's from Gainesville. Yeah. Big up, fan. Yeah. Up north. So playing, playing a little Florida rock and roll here. Um and you've already heard one of the voices here. Uh, we're just going to jump right in. We're going to introduce our guest today. We've got from Florida, originally from North County, right? We got Florison or Ferguson? Florison. Florison. Florison, Missouri, the Mr. Perry Vanderbeek. And from New York, I believe upstate New York, correct? We have Mr. David Wilson. Correct. Look at that. We did our, That's the only homework we did today. So we got you. Very good. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us, man. Really looking forward to the conversation. Appreciate you taking a little time out to chat uh, with us. Two two stooges today. Usually there's three of us, but uh, our third. Where is Zach, by the way? I believe he's in the the Big Apple. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's in New York. He's in Manhattan for work, and uh, I would imagine he's he drinks. He gets that espresso martini. I bet you he's having espresso martinis. I bet you it costs him 28 bucks a piece. Have you ever ordered an espresso martini in no. your life? No. If I do, slap me. So. <laughs> yeah, those are tasty. <laughs> Perry likes them. Zach, you got, you, you got a fan. There you go. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really looking forward to today. As I mentioned uh, before we kind of popped on the line here, um, I, I think to kind of keep things a little bit on the rails because there's so many things we could talk about. Um, Perry, I'd actually like to start with you just kind of hit the St. Louis space, kind of bring everybody up to speed because your, your name is a household name in the households that understand and know the game of soccer here in the Lou. Um, so kind of, if you don't mind, just take, take a couple seconds here and refresh us on the, the, the hometown, which we just talked about. Yeah. Look, got to do the high school thing because obviously that's what we do. And, uh, kind of take us on a little bit of a soccer path with you. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. So um, obviously I grew up in Florida, Missouri. And again, um, I, I first started playing soccer in the CYC. And uh, the great school that I played for was St. Sabina. Um, and again, it's up in North County. So that's where I started and started in the clinic. You know, you got your five, six years old, you're wearing Reader's Digest for shin guards and the whole works. And a lot <laughs> of the parents that were uh, 
you know, we're up there coaching us. We're, we're kind of volunteers. And some had a little bit of a soccer, soccer background. You could, they could strike the ball hard, but it wasn't really like they were showing us any kind of technical skill or anything. But uh, that was the start. And um, believe it or not, in the St. Sabina tournament that ran for, uh, gosh, only 30-something years, we won the uh, we won the Batham division. And then, um, you know, just uh, just my, bro- my older brother played. So, and again, my mom played. My mom played in 1950 oh, really? for Craig. So that was one of the very first, I think, women's leagues in the country. Where, where, did, um, where did she play? She played in St. Louis for Craig Club, C-R-A-I-G. And, um, you know, there's a big um, historical article about it that, that Ed, Dave Lang did in uh, Soccer Made in St. Louis. Okay. Um, and that was in 1950. So a uh, little bit of background there. And, uh, you know, my mom was and both my parents were always encouraging for my brother and I to play sports, whether it be soccer, baseball. You know, I, I love the sport of hockey. So you got the blues uh, emblem up there. That's very cool. <laughs> and um, so, again, you know, you're starting five, six year old in the clinic and then you start playing uh, as as it continued to grow. Um, the landscape back then wasn't nowhere near what it is now. Right. But, um, you know, after we got to like sixth, seventh grade playing in, you know, the CYC leagues and, you know, the city championships and things like that. Um, I just, you know, my, my passion kept, kept growing for the game. And again, it was never a chore for me to go outside, you know, and work with the ball or anything like that. So a couple of things happened to me where when I was playing for my school team, I had the opportunity to play with, uh, it was actually in the Corey league and in the Corey league, the team that I played for, um, one of the, my teammates was Timmy Gelker. And of course, oh, wow. you know, you know, being, yeah, you know, Bob, you know, yeah. So here I am at, you know, seventh, eighth grade and, you know, I get to meet Timmy Gelker and, you know, him and I just became very, very close. And what we did was, you know, we were always, if we weren't playing soccer, we were always watching it. You know, his dad would invite us to play, you know, sit on the bench when SAU was playing St. Louis University at the uh, bronze boot game down at Bush Stadium. And then after that, you know, it just got to be the point where, you know, obviously with the neighborhood, playing in club, playing in the Corey League. Now club soccer became very big. It was right at the start. And I had the opportunity to play with, uh, you know, some of the coaches that I can't say enough of where they put me in my career. I'll start with Ben Ben, Dan Gaffney, Bill O'Leary, Tommy, Tommy Howe. Howe. Yeah. Yep. Uh, John Schaefering, Tim Rooney, all those gentlemen my, were my coaches through, throughout my, you know, my, say my junior playing club ball. And, um, and again, I always tell players that, you know, you got to become a student of the game. And that's one thing. If I wasn't playing the game, I was always watching it. So, you know, those guys like Bobby O'Leary and Tim Rooney taking me down to, you know, Condolet Park or St. Mary Magdalene to watch some of the senior games. You know, you're watching Big Four Chevrolet, Kudas, mm-hmm. NA Kickers. And again, it just, you know, that was that was soccer. You know, you're just always around it. You know, I was in the stands watching games with Pat McBride, with Mr. Gelker's father. All right. And that was my Sunday afternoon. So obviously, you know, now we go into high school soccer and, you know, Vince Drake was our coach. Uh, he was a very good coach. And I think it was in 1976, 77, I got a call from U.S. Soccer uh, to invite me to come to a U-17 camp. And um, it was during the summer and um, obviously went to the camp so, in the summertime. So let me let me ask a question about that, because <clears throat> sure. I, I love to put a little frame of reference on it because you, you mentioned your parents were obviously super supportive of you playing sports, any sport, but obviously soccer. I mean, if you're getting that phone call, you're excelling. Uh, and you know, it's really rare to hear somebody say uh, of th- that generation in particular, 
that their mom played as well. So obviously there was a love and a passion for the game in your house. Talk to us about that phone call. If you are 16 years old at the time, number one, there's no cell phones. It's not like you got an email, opened it up. You know, that, that house phone rings. H- how excited were they? You know, it, it, or were they shocked? Were you shocked? Was it, you know, because there was passion for the game? Because we've talked to a lot of other individuals that get the similar call as you that have come from houses where soccer wasn't, you know, uh, revered in the household. So how cool right. was it for them and you to get that call? Well, and again, JB, thanks for pointing that out because it was very interesting. Um, when I got the call, it was um, it was towards it was it was right at the beginning of summertime and um you know gentleman calls he says i'm with us soccer he says you know your names come across because again like you said there was no internet there was no emails no cell phones and basically you found out about other players just through communication with coaches whether it be high school coaches college coaches you know the recruiters and things like that so when they called me obviously the discussion was hey look we're getting ready to you know go on a trip here and you know when you know, obviously once you're in the camp and you know we're going to meet in i think in three weeks and, and in doing so. And, you know, I was just listening and obviously very excited and, you know, thought, okay, you know, here's, here's a great opportunity. The last question he had for me was, he says, by the way, when is your birthday? You know, I told him and he says, oh, he says, unfortunately, he says, I just, I think you're maybe too old for this. I says, okay. He says, hey, that's okay. You know what? You know, don't worry about it. We got to, you know, there'll be other plenty of opportunities, but, you know, once I let you know you're on the radar and, you know, obviously, you know, you got a good recommendation and, you know, we'll see what happens. I said, okay. And again, JB, the next day they called me and says, no, look, he says, we made a mistake. He says, you are eligible for the trip. I said, oh, okay, thank God. Because I think in Europe, they, they you know, kind of went with, you know, like the rest of the world, being the actual, the going by the year. And calendar, like the, year, uh, yeah. calendar year, yeah. Calendar year, yeah. So, uh, you know, went on the first trip to Germany. And again, you're meeting all these different players. And I was up in Princeton University. And that's when Bob Bradley was actually, you know, he was going to school there. And because um, he's a couple of years older than I was, and uh, we were just on the campus there, and there was a couple other St. Louisans on the team, myself, uh, Johnny Hayes, and Jimmy Tejans. And then we went over to Germany, had the trip, and then we came back. This was my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. so it was very unfortunate because back then there was a rule that you could not play on your high school team and another team. Full circle so make, here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had to make a decision. All right, that's all changed, but. I had to make a decision, you know, do I play with the U.S. team or do I see out my high school senior year playing, playing the state championship? Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So, so that was a hard was, decision. Was that huh? a real decision? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, well, again, you know what? I tell you what, our high school team, you know, credit to the players and the coaches and, and all my teammates. We, we were successful. You know, we won two state championships <laughs> when I was there in the four years. And, uh, again. You, that was a, a, a Aquinas or – yeah, St. Thomas Aquinas up in North County. Yeah. And uh, so it's, you know, again, that's where it's so important for me. And we get into this later about, you know, high school soccer and, and what it means to people that go to high school. And, you know, you're playing for your school. You represent your school and, you know, you got all your teammates, all your classmates. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it was it was super cool. And, uh, you know, obviously having make the decision <clears throat> that myself and John Hayes both made. So we went to play in a tournament in France. It was in Monaco. And here we are in 1977 mm-hmm. in, in Monaco, France, so, and we're playing at the Parc des Princes. So in, oh, sorry, sorry, in Monaco. In 1977, and, were French women pretty then, too, <laughs> for, we for a teenager? Actually, <laughs> yeah, we were staying at the Principality right there at the Lowe. 
Oh my they god! Have the, uh, the Grand Prix. So, and so how how much of a culture shock was it for you? Because I mean, look, St. Louis is a great town, but right. it's not Paris. It's not Monaco. you know Monaco. Um, yeah. What was that like at that age? You're traveling with your nation's team, and you're going to pinnacle places. Yes. Did you did you did you did you handle it well, poorly? Were you just kind of part of the system? What was that like? JB, I was on my best behavior. Okay. <laughs> I was just so honored to represent my country, you know, and things that you work for <clears throat> in the game every day. I mean, some things I didn't bring up to you, gentlemen, is back in the day there was Burt Ramp soccer camp. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the coaches, Miguel de Lima, uh, Bobby O'Leary, you know, uh, Bruce Hudson, you know, these these are guys are my coaches at the soccer camp. It was just so cool. And anyway, when I was in eighth grade, I went to a soccer camp in Indiana, and the coaches were Jerry Yeagley, Bob Dowdy from Akron, and Bob Gelker. And that was like their first residential soccer camps that they were presenting. And here I am in eighth grade. Yep. The counselor at the camp was George Nanchoff, and four years later, him and oh, I were wow. playing in the national team together. Wow. Was my counselor. Wow. Yeah. So, so to move the story here a little bit, okay. you, you come back and um, – yeah. You just mentioned some of those college names. You become the first American high schooler to be uh, drafted into the NASL, correct? Yes. Yes. Then, then take that story from there because that that first off is a first, and and, and that's a feat alone. Yeah. Thanks, Jared. So what happened was Francisco Marcos, who has just been inducted into the Soccer Hall of Fame this year, him and one of the uh, other staff members from the Rowdies. We're actually on the trip in Monaco, and it was a couple other NASL scouts, um, guy from Minnesota, uh, Peter Short, Ray Klaveka from the Cosmos. So when I come back, you know, I'm starting getting phone calls. Hey, look, you know what? If, if we decide to, you know, spend a draft pick on you, I mean, you know, what's your intentions? I says, well, I'm, I'm open for conversation. And also you had the St. Louis Stars. Mm-hmm. And at the time when John Seale was the coach and my agent at the time was Steve Franks, who played for the. Uh, St. Louis Stars. That's so, crazy. you know, it was all St. Louis. Um, we actually sat down, had a meeting, and um, that got me even more interested of the opportunity. So, you know, and, and St. Louis had the second pick. And they said, look, you know, regardless, you know, you got options. You're going to play in college. You can play professionally. We're going to draft you. We're just going to give you a heads up. So, you know, we, we enjoyed spending time with you and your parents, you know, and, 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 and here we go. So now I'm sitting in school one day and I didn't realize the draft was happening that day. So also I got a call to um, to come to the office. And when I went to the office, they said, uh, you know, your parents are on the phone because, you know, there's a press conference <laughs> and they'd like you to, uh, you know, to be present. And I says, oh, OK, great. And again, this is now in, in January of 78. And it says, you know, you've been drafted by the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean. And I got to tell you, gentlemen, this, this is, you know, quick story here is because of my relationship with some of my coaches, Bobby O'Leary was actually at the time playing for the St. Louis Stars. So he would take me to practice. <laughs> and the head coach, he would say, hey, look, you know what? I don't know that you're you're here because, again, if they find out, you could lose your college eligibility. He says, yeah, no problem. You know, it's not. A, and they were training down at Francis Field. And, um, you know, I knew then that, you know, I was trying to you know, play it at a higher level because in St. Louis, it is so competitive. All the players, there's so many, so many good players from St. Louis. You just kind of stayed playing at your own level. To play up was, you know, that was a bonus. 
I'm but glad again, you mentioned that because yes. the, 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 when you say the St. Louis portion of it, so we're talking 1978 right now, and just a snapshot of those couple three years, trying to just you know piece through the the, the timeline. Um, you go to Tampa. Um, so what's going on for our listeners here is, as you get into that 1978 to 1980 um, era, and if we're talking about St. Louis, the kids you played it with went to SIUE. Well, they won a national championship in 79. The You made the Olympic team, which we, uh, you know, I guess we boycotted because it was in Russia. But on that Olympic team, there was seven kids from St. Louis, or eight, nine maybe yes. even, that were starters on that Olympic team. That that whole thing was just littered with St. Louis names. And, and, and so that time frame of 78 to 80 in that neighborhood, when you're cutting your teeth professionally, I mean, how big was it for St. Louis in your eyes? Oh, I, you know, it, let me take it a step further. I was just in St. Louis last week at the one, two, three banquet. And on Saturday afternoon, I was having lunch with Matt Malloy, who actually scored all three goals in the final. So, you know, you got, you know, there's, I think, nine from that team that played professional or 10. That was just on Facebook the other day. Tommy Gork, Bobby Bazada, Mike Twelman, uh, Don Ebert, Timmy Galker. You know, that's you know, it was loaded. And again, just, you know, even with the Pan American team in 1979, all those guys with that, the Olympic team. And, uh, you know, those guys actually, after they won the championship, I think they what played at hardship, went on, got drafted professionally, and their professional uh, career started. So, and again, very, very successful. You know, a lot of those guys played with the Steamers, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Kansas City. And again, we had wonderful, wonderful the coaches from St. Louis, you know, starts with the colleges with Harry Q, but you talk about Pat McBride, Rick Ben Ben professionally, you know, it was just, that, that was it. And to this day, you know, when you say you're from St. Louis, you know, a lot of people, they, they say, you know what, that's, you know, that's, that's a level just to start with. And I'm very proud to say that I'm St. Louis. I moved down here in 78. I've always kept my residence here, but again, I'll use a term that Taylor Twelman used when he was talking about MLS, you know, and Don Garber and bringing you know, St. Louis City to St. Louis. He says, you know, I was born in Minnesota, but I was made in St. Louis. And I feel the same way. I mean, if it wasn't for my roots in St. Louis, I would never be in this position. It starts with my coaches, my teammates, everything like that. So that that's, you know, I always look back to that and, and, and honor those guys and have so much respect for all those players that I've played with and even how it continues today. I'm so proud of St. Louis City, what they've done the first year. Let, let me ask you one more question, and then I'd like to bring David into the conversation and let's sure. We'll, sure. we'll pivot over to because this 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 lane of uh, history and value, it, it's really lean, uh, lending itself to the high school conversation that we've kind of alluded to. But what, what I want to ask you about is, you know, talking about this legacy of all these St. Louis names that you, that you just were dropping. And uh, a couple months ago, <clears throat> U.S. national team had the friendly here in St. Louis. And you know where I'm going with this. It was the invite for all the uh, players that have capped from St. Louis. And I believe the number was 76. Yeah, 76, 76 yeah. players. Put that moment, put that number into context uh, to, to, in two ways. Number one, what it meant for you to know uh, that you're part of that club, a, a truly elite special club in American soccer. But two, the other side of it, I'm wondering how you would describe what that really means to other soccer markets. 
it's hard to compare to other soccer markets. I mean, you know, they try to say in Los Angeles and New York, you know, there's more players, but again, they're not all born and raised there. I'm not saying they're not from New York, but you know, I don't think they were born and raised there. Right. And actually, JB, I flew in for that game just to be honored. Awesome. And here I am standing next to they have some alphabetical order. So I'm next standing next to Timmy Twelman, and you got Greg Villa, you got Danny Vaniger. I mean, I watched these guys growing up. Okay, I was a ball boy for the St. Louis Stars. I chased balls behind the net at SIU. <laughs> all right, so I paid my dues. Because he always says, you know, you want to be a student of the game. So just watching, you know, the Pat McBrides and, and Al Trost, I mean, those were two of my favorites, you know, because I played in the midfield and, you know, that's that's who I wanted to emulate. You grow up, you know, and, and all of a sudden, and here I am at the one, two, three banquet. I went last year and I just went this year and obviously at my table and sitting next to me on Friday night was Al Trost. And again, it's just an honor to, you know, He's, to be around the guys and I have so much what respect. What an ace that guy is. Yeah. I mean, it's first class. Can, can I ask you this question? Um, sure. in, in, in my quick research, just by trying to get to know you um, over a computer screen a little bit, here's what <laughs> I want to ask you before we bring David on. Um, your national team career, because, you know, we, we talked about the early 80s, and then, we, you know, we, we tried to qualify for two World Cups in the mid-80s. You were a big part of that. Um it says you have 23 caps, and I understand as a federation we do things different now than we did, especially with economics. But like 23 caps, if you were playing for that longevity and you were a, an important role like you were then, now you'd probably have 200 caps. Can, can you speak on like going to Azteca and getting there the day before you play when it's? 5,000 feet in the air and then just playing a game because, you know, these guys are, you know, are World Cup qualifying. You show up for three days and then you just play a game, you know, to qualify for a World Cup. It's so different now. Uh, it's just 23 caps amazes me for the long, the length of time that you were in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, uh, you know, we talk about the, the landscape being changed right now because back then the player pool wasn't as big as it is now. And, again, we didn't play as many games as they do now, okay? Because, you know, we had the international dates and sometimes it would fluctuate. You know, CONCACAF wasn't as strong as it is now. So a lot has changed over the years. But uh, you're right, you know, when you go into these qualifiers, you're playing and you're getting together maybe, you know, maybe six, seven days before you start. You know, you're coming in from your club team. And at that time, even the second go around, we're getting players that are coming from the indoor. And again, you know, that's, you know, trying to go from the indoor to the outdoor and play international soccer it just uh, it just didn't work. But again, you know, it's just uh, unfortunately, you know, we had we, you know, we played Costa Rica in Costa Rica. We tied them one one. And all we didn't need was a tie to move forward. And uh, unfortunately, out in, uh, in California, we played that game and, you know, they scored a goal and that was kind of the end of it. And then the Federation says, OK, look, you know, obviously we're looking for younger players and got to go a different direction. And it took off the other the other way. Um, and again, you know, Having a 23 caps, I had a couple injuries, so I thought maybe, you know, my longevity with the national team could have been longer. But, you know, I, I broke my fifth metatarsal and it was obviously difficult to heal. But at the end of the day, I just, uh, you know, it's just an honor to play for your country. And, and again, just, you know, trying to compare what they can do now of what we did back then. And then when I was at that game in, uh, in the summertime in St. Louis, talking to some of the, the national team players that were before us, just hearing their stories about like Gene Geimer, just, you know, hey, look, he says, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to bring your own shoes. You know, they didn't even supply you with shoes. <laughs> well, we but, didn't you know, have the Gold Cup. We didn't have yeah. all these competitions that they have now. Right. Well, right. So with the national team, you had Walt Chiswitz, and, you know, Walt was doing a job of maybe nine other people right now. 
So again, the Federation has grown and rightly so. We are the dominant in the CONCACAF region and I can't be more proud of our national team. Um, in fact, I, I'm, I'm very excited because on uh, uh, coming up here in January, it's a closed door. It's going to happen right around here, but I just, you know, want to say anything, but, and again, I had an opportunity, somebody from the Federation reached out and says, Hey, can you help us out? Of course I can. So I still got very good connections in the Federation and I always want to see them to always want to see it work. I nice. could, I could stop recording for a second. If you want to go ahead and let that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think this is a good point to kind of pivot and uh, transition into kind of, uh, your current passion as well as David's passion, um, you know, because it, there's a lot of like compare and contrast you talking about your own career and the way things were back in the day. Um, the choice you made between high school and national team. I mean, that's in today's world, that's not a decision. We know what kids today would do, um, but transitioning through and the high school game that you guys are so passionate about, it's going through kind of a, a metamorphosis as well, because it's, it's trying to do the dance with the just incredible explosion of the, of the game, the popularity of the game, the numbers are going through the roof. It's outpacing all other youth sports. Um, the quality of the kids at, you know, the, the youngest ages all the way up and clubs and academies. And there's just a, an expansive landscape surrounding the game as it applies to that U6 up through high school and into college. So, David, right. um, we're going to bring you on here. And if you, if you wouldn't mind um, giving our listeners a little bit of an intro uh, you're from upstate New York. You're now down there in Tampa. You're a head coach, uh, high school head coach, as well as athletic director. You guys are working together on the Champions League, which most of our uh, listeners have heard about in previous episodes. So if you can kind of lay a little bit of the landscape as to your background and get us up to speed a little bit, then we'll start dicing it up over uh, high school club, et cetera. All right, sounds good. The, um, I mean, my background is nowhere near where Perry's is by any means. My only connections is to St. Louis, basically, are that um, my dad, who's 88 years old now, since he was six years old, he's been a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and we finally got there this past year. We took um, him for his 88th birthday to St. Oh, Louis that's awesome. to see a baseball game, which was phenomenal. Um, and my other tie there is um, I am very close friends with your XFL coach, uh, Anthony Beck. Yeah. Um, oh, a good yeah. friend of mine. So, yeah, so those are my big ties with St. Louis. Well, uh, for I, me personally, I, I got yeah, to assume every now and then you drink a Budweiser, right? <laughs> well, that's the other tie. <laughs> there <yeah>. we go. <laughs> yeah. The, um, you know, I grew up in upstate New York and, and we were, I came with a, you know, from a family of, of basically they've supported athletics more than you know. My dad wanted me never to get a job in high school because he wanted me to be able to play. Um, but I was a four-sport athlete in high school and I went to Cortland State University um, and played basketball and soccer. And I triple jumped for the track team when I was there. So I was always trying to keep busy. And my freshman year at Cortland, we were um, ranked number two in the country that year. Um, going in, and my first collegiate start ever was in the national semifinals game. We played UNC Greensboro, um, and I thought at the time, you know, we lost the game. We had some great players um, with us. Um, Frank Celeberto, who actually played for the the Rowdies, I believe, back in gosh, it would have been in probably eighty. I grew, I went eighty two, so maybe eighty three, somewhere there. He got drafted by them. Um, 
we just had some great players to play with, and, I, and we lost in the semifinals in overtime on a, on a which I still believe was a handball. Um, to this day, I can remember it. And the uh, and I always thought, you know, we'll get back there the next year. And we only got to the NCAA tournament one more time before we finished. And I was fortunate enough to finish with, as an All-American in college. And then got two years later, I was hired as a head coach um, at Binghamton University. Um, I started working with Tim Shum, who was a NSCAA um, big person there with the NSCAA. And Tim hired me after I played against him for four years. And I was assistant for one year, but then I took over the women's program for the next seven years. And was fortunate to go to four NCAA tournaments with them. Coming down to Florida was a was a trip. Basically, I got to the point where coaching basketball and soccer in college at the same time. You know, I was going to go to one sport as Binghamton went to Division One, and um, our president decided that she wanted a female head coach for basketball. So I took a job at St. Leo University, which is Division Two down right here in um, Tampa, outside of Tampa, and coached there for a few years before I realized that I was never seeing my kids grow up. <laughs> um, I, my boys were young at the time and they both were playing on competitive teams and it was 8v8 back then. And one day, one of them had nine goals in the game, the other had eight and I missed it. So I said, I'm not gonna do this anymore. It's my life and my family and, and kids are, are more important to me than than the salary is or, or coaching at a higher level. So I took a job at you know, teaching again and, and went right back to, to coaching high school soccer. And it's my this is my 39th year of coaching now. So That's amazing. <clears throat> um, I, I, I read a couple of articles. Um, it looks like you, you, you suppressed uh, uh, significant win totals. Um, you're also coaching uh, tennis at the same time. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. I'm a tennis coach. They're very, very. I like the story because the first year and being the athletic director too, we didn't have anybody else that would do it. So I said, all right, I'll, you know, I played recreationally. I love playing tennis, and I said I would take over the team. We only had ninth and tenth graders that year when we opened school, and um, we went seven and five the first year. Um, which, looking at it now, is like God, what a horrible season because we're our career record now is 252 wins and 20 losses. Um, we won oh, wow. three national, state titles and a national championship and um, just had n division one after division one players have come through. And this is a public school that's just happens to be at a place where we built a program. And now when kids move from other states, they moved to our school and come to play tennis for me. So I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, and I, at the beginning, I was just grabbing soccer players and saying, all right, you're a tennis player too now. And it helped <laughs> their footwork, and, but they were. They were quick. They were, they were good feet. And they all thought it was just like a big ping pong match. So they just like, all right, it's fine. So Well, just please, um, please, please tell me that you're not introducing pickleball to these kids at this age, are you? <laughs> oh, no. I, I am not. I still am a tennis guy <laughs> and I still play a lot. So I, I still, I, I like pickleball too, but I still want to hit the ball hard and yeah. beat up on the, on the young kids. So David, um, boys soccer in, in Tampa there, um, what, what season is it? Is it a fall sport or a spring sport? No, it's a winter sport. It's here. a winter sport. Um, we're, okay. we're actually, yeah, we're right in the middle of our, our season as right now, and this weekend coming up is our Champions League finals and semifinals and finals of this weekend. Okay, and for our listeners, just curious, um, as we dive into this subject, um, Tampa's an hour and forty minutes from Orlando, which is, I guess, the closest MLS next club. Um, there's X amount of boys high school soccer there in Tampa. X amount of schools. Um, how many people or how many top-level players from Tampa are are 
in MLS academies in the state of Florida? Well, the, the MLS academies are different than the MLS Next academies. You know, the MLS academies yeah. are, are kids that are the elite players. Yeah. Um, and my belief now is that every club that had an ECNL team before has now developed an MLS Next academy and trying to tell all these kids that they're going to get college scholarships by playing in, you know, we just look at the rosters, and especially in the state of Florida, UCF has three Americans, and USF has two Americans on the team, and, and they're being sold something that may not be completely true. Well, as a high school yeah. Yeah, as a high school coach, I, I support our kids' decisions. I, I have seven kids right now at my high school that are playing MLS Next, so they can't play high school. And I support the decisions if they think and their family thinks that's the best option for them. Um, but then we also show them that the number of kids that I've gotten scholarships for and help them get to go to college, you know, doing it the same way. And they still got to wear their high school jersey on their on their backs during the winter season for us. Let, let me let me get into that a little bit, because uh, I'm curious as to <clears throat> um, Perry, how you became engaged in the the high school scene there with David and then Jim Hart is the one that really kind of connected the dots here who, sure. who's super vocal uh, on socials and proponent of Champions League everything else and, and you know and typically we have one of these episodes and we can reasonably expect within 24 hours a seven yeah. paragraph summary of our <laughs> of the pod <laughs> from Jim um, so my question to you guys is how did you cross paths and what was it or why did uh, high school soccer create that connectivity and elevate the passion to do what you guys are doing currently? Uh, well, actually, Jim Hart reached out to me and says, hey, Perry, he says, you know what, I'm, I'm sure you're aware we've got a high school Champions League. It's been going on for about five or six years. And uh, we're having the, the actual Champions League draw in St. Pete. We'd like to welcome you because obviously your background, you know, when you started playing with the Rowdies, you were drafted out of high school. I says, Jim, I says, I would love to be part of that. So they invited the Rowdies, the head coach, <clears throat> a couple of their staff, a few of their players, uh, myself, and they invited uh, another girl that played for the U.S. national team, um, Danielle Fotopoulos. Unfortunately, she was not able to make it, but they had some high school coaches there. They had some players there, some media, and it was over at a restaurant in, uh, called Ferg's. It's a sports bar in downtown St. Pete, right next to where the race play. And it was just a fantastic atmosphere. You know, you walk there and I didn't realize that, you know, obviously Jim had a relationship with the owner, knew him really well and really set things up nice. And here we are. We're just like, just like you see on TV. We've got the Champions League draw. They got the buckets that you pick out of and they let myself and a couple of the players do that. And then they put obviously the teams up on the board. And you can see, and a lot of the coaches were hemming and hauling because, you know, there's, here's an easy group. Here's the group of death. Here, this one should be this. And hmm. just, you know, all the bands are going back and forth. So I got to talking to Jim afterwards and I said, Jim, I says, you know, I really like this idea. I says, uh, you know, is it just here in Tampa? He goes, yeah, Perry, we just started this. And you know, obviously I met David and, you know, this is what this is what we intend to do. I says, well, look, I says, you know, being from St. Louis, I mean, you know, this, this kind of started my whole career. And uh, I'd like to, you know, maybe get in touch with the guys in St. Louis and, you know, could you help me out with that? And he says, Perry, he says, you know, feel free to do that. So I turn around and obviously hadn't played with uh, uh, Greg Keller's older brothers, Vince and Matt. You know, I reached out to Greg and Mike Gavane and Terry Mickler and Vince Drake. And I says, hey, guys, look, you know, there's a concept working down here, uh, down in Tampa. And, um, you know, it's something that you guys may be interested in. So they all got back to me and, you know, we had the conversation and it just took off from there. I am just so impressed. I mean, just <clears throat> the job it's that these coaches did 
in, in the amount of time that they did it, they just took it from one level to the next every month, you know, from communication to reaching out for sponsors to getting uh, down there with St. Louis City, with St. Louis University, talking about venues they could play at, just trying to bring this all together. Well, Both they, I, you know what? I, I'm just a spokesperson, okay? David and, and, and Jim, they're the ones that that put this all together, all right? They just it and everything that they've done. You ask them for anything, and they give you that and even more. So, so again, so I think so. One thing that like just struck me because we, I love this subject. Um, I'm a public school kid. I grew up in Granite City. We played a Granite two, yeah. two two state titles there. You know, That's live live that life. And now I have a child who's on the U16s with City SC, who's in that MLS Next World, and so we're we're living it in a parallel world. But the thing that strikes me when you talked about calling home and and reaching out to the coaches here that you know that you thought might be interested, you name names that combined probably have about four thousand wins, maybe thirty state titles. Just insane numbers because high school soccer is it's relevant in in some places more relevant in others but it's super it was always super relevant here um and and here's where i'm going with this having watched the soccer community since my my years up to now paying more attention to the club side because i think the club side over this time frame did a lot good bad and different but it constantly was evolving figuring it out uh, expanding services and and staffs and training and all this other stuff you know good bad and different that's a whole other debate but my right. point is i noticed and jared you you grew up with it too we've witnessed a ton of change um and, and momentum again to be debated but on the high school side and i love it it felt stagnant. It felt as if it was just really each season you're going into the same districts, you're going into the same classes, you you know the same conferences. You don't see a lot of change. What you do see is a little bit of the uh, spill off of more and more players that are now not eligible to play high school. But you didn't really see a lot of ideas or or change being implemented within the high school community. Here comes Champions League, which we just found out about a year ago. That's cool. So I know that was a long-winded kind of intro to this question, and I, and I pose it to either of you and, and both of you. Why did it take so long for high school soccer in particular to, to, to swing for something different, to implement a new idea outside of relying on experience and our baked-in conferences and districts? Right. You know what? I'll, I'll speak up real quick, David. It's just that, you know, when I sat there and I saw this this Champions League draw, I thought, you know what? This is exactly what high school soccer ne- needs a boost. OK, like you said, JB, it was kind of stagnant. You know what? You had your your league games. You played some tournaments. You had districts, state. And then that was it. So all of a sudden, you know, and as I was telling to the gentleman um, uh, that called me from Channel 2 News, we did a nice uh, uh, interview there. And I said, look, I says, you know, at the end of the day, when I played for Aquinas, let's call it maybe we were a 3A school and playing like against Hayeswood. You know, we played them in, you know, sometimes in a league or one off out of the conference, but we would never meet in the state championship because of the population. You know, a 3A school and a 4A school, they right. just don't connect. And again, I'm jumping ahead here, 
But it was like now all of a sudden here in Tampa, they're trying to get well, they're going to get South Florida involved. So now not only is there going to be a Champions League, there's going to be a Super Cup. They're going to play the winners against that. So I've encouraged Greg Keller to call his coaches in Kansas City and, again, get that rocking and rolling. And now next thing you know, you've got the winners of the Champions League in St. Louis playing against the winners of the Champions League in Kansas City. So, again, just more and more bragging rights. That's awesome. But, yeah, I, JB. I, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking maybe a, a hot Lana meet between the Florida school and the, and the Missouri school. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, again, <laughs> what, what, what kind of breaks that up, JB is, is right. But sometimes like, yes, we're a winter sport. Yeah. I know. And, and, you know, back in St. Louis, it's a fall sport. So that's one thing you got to look at. It's just, you know, they play at different times, but you know, again, David, you know, take it from there. Yeah. I, I think it, it all started back when, when, and the reason it took so long is it takes somebody to come up with the concept of doing it, um, which Jim and Rob Nugent down here came up with the idea. In the first year, they, they contacted me and Jim um, to get involved with them. But then Jim retired from coaching and said, all right, do you still want to do it? And I, and I said, well, if I were to do this, you know, I want to be able to do it big. Um, we're going to start a Facebook page and get people to follow us in there. We're going to do a coaches poll where I'm going to send it out every week and collect things from coaches. And we're going to have a coaches poll, which includes schools that aren't in the Champions League as well. Um, we're going to try and do everything we can for kids. And the biggest thing for me was we have a number of schools here that have um, maybe not as fortunate population-wise, so they have kids that can't afford to play for these big clubs and play club soccer. Yep. So we wanted to put, right. a, put on a first-class showcase event for these kids that are, going, that are getting passed up sometimes because they can't afford to go somewhere. Go so ahead. we said, all right, it's going to be free. I said, we're not charging a kid a penny ever or a team ever. We're going to get sponsorships to get it done. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I, uh, I got two questions um, because you said you were six or seven years into um, the Champions League there in the Tampa area. Um, my first question is, is the governing body for high school sports in Florida here in Missouri, it's called MISHA and it's an acronym, Missouri State Sports Association, whatever it is, High School Sports Association. Um, the, the Florida... Um, high school governing body for sports. Are they on board with you folks? Is my first question. No, the first thing it's easy to answer is we never asked them permission to do anything because <laughs> we, were, we were going to do it as these games are regular season counting games for them. That they it's an in season tournament, so every game they play counts along their FHSA schedule, which is our. Um, Florida High School Athletic Association. Yeah, uh, it that. counts for games for them. They don't care that it's in part of a tournament. The only thing that they got involved with is if if we tried to determine a game by because um, there's a draw at the end of it for pool play, and they said if it's a draw and you go to penalty kicks, then there has to be a winner and a loser. Okay. Right? We decided that we were not going to go to penalty kicks and teams were going to get a draw out of it, and therefore we put together a um, – a list of things for qualification, the tiebreakers, basically, um, which would eliminate the, the need for a team to take a loss in a game that goes down to PKs in a regular season. Okay, my second question, that, that's a great answer, uh, and that's enlightening. Um, my second question is, is since it's so new here in St. Louis, kind of, I wouldn't say, part of one of the uh, disagreements here is, is, this MLS next or these clubs are selling, you know, in your eyes, some of these clubs are selling. It's fake. Um, 
that that going to high school is still a pathway to college. My question would be is with you being six or seven years into it, and let me let me tell you this, I agree. There are clubs out there that are definitely saying we're going to get you to college, and it ain't right. So, so I will agree with that. But six, seven years into it, have you got college coaches back to the table at this event? Are college coaches coming to these games, deep into these Champions League semis, quarters, finals, what, what, what have you? Well, it's funny that you bring that up because we, we've had growing pains. The first year it definitely was, you know, we started with 12 teams instead of going up to 16. Um, we've had issues with one of our counties that won't let any of their teams play home games, so they have to play on the road. Um, I've hosted extra games at my field because my being the athletic director and close with my principal, she said, you can do the games here. That's great. I've hosted the finals at my school, anything we can do. Um, so we've been growing as we go. Every year we try and add something. We added the girls last year, so now we have a girls' champions league. But what our plan is right now is that next year we invite college coaches to come this weekend to the uh, to the games but we are going to add a showcase event um, on the Sunday afterwards. That's and awesome. It's not, you know, we're not allowed to play. Our high school teams aren't allowed to play on Sundays in, in Florida. But since it's an outside organization and we can run a showcase, and what we'll do is we'll take like four players from each team that plays in the Champions League, and we're going to run our own show. That's brilliant. Yeah, let, let, I, I got a question here. <clears throat> um, Perry, I'm going to direct this towards you. Um, so my question is this, you know, in in our backyard, uh, high school season falls commensurate with the co- college season, um, and we had it. We had a, a show a little while back where we had Terry and Greg, uh, Terry Mickler, Greg Keller, and uh, Vader on Gavain, and he, Vader said something that just has always resonated with me when it comes to this conversation and the need to be. Uh, creative and and move the needle a little bit and and it was in regards to uh, college pathway because he said 15 years ago the quote and I'm paraphrasing his quote was you know 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago all these coaches would come to us and say who 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 do we need you know who do we have to have Uh, you know who do you got and he says these days when they come to him the question is who are we missing and it was kind of this aha moment for me, which forced us to ask that question to a lot of our peers and guests that are D1, you know, high power D1 coaches, uh, Michigan State, Akron, et cetera. And they've all said the same thing, that they are predominantly looking in those MLS Next events at the MLS academies. Um, the showcases are bigger and specifically for states like Missouri that has fall overlap, it's really hard for them to justify scouting in the middle of a high school season. So with you guys, so, and Jared alluded to it, and and I want to ask, do you believe that developing Champions League, uh, Champions League type events, does that become something that uh, coaches, you know, like yourself, David, uh, ADs, can be more proactive in tracking down and bringing in, bringing back the scouts to prove, hey, this is not just a throwaway district game or a conference game. These are the best. These are the kids. Are you using it in that vein moving forward? I I, I think that, you know, we, we would do whatever we have to do. Um, I think we get lost in sometimes of what our, as high school coaches, 
um, are looking to do. We will we will try and do whatever we can for kids going. But being a former college coach, I wasn't going to go to very many high school games to watch a game when I could go to a showcase and go see hundreds of kids play. Um, it's just it's playing factor number wise and recruiting wise and time wise and everything else. It's it's just unless you're just babysitting a kid you saw at a showcase and now he's going to play and you're going to go there because it's between you and three other schools and you wanted to see him to see your face at every game and stuff like that. But our, our biggest thing is not that we disagree with the MLS next, not at all, or MLS um, Academy stuff. We just think that there should be able to have some coordination between the two. Um, maybe something put in where a kid that there's 22 men on a roster and they're only dressing 18 for games and these kids aren't even dressing for games that we say, hey, let's work with the coaches and be able to say, hey, high school, you guys played 20 games in high school. You know, he's got to play 10 in order to be able to qualify for the state series. So, so yes, let's get together. We'll sit down and schedule. We'll limit his practice time potentially or games of games that he plays in. But let's work together between the clubs and the high schools and, and work for kids, not just work for that makes sense. You know, the elite kid that's there. Yeah, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. okay, Perry, this question is for you. Sure. Do, do, you think, do you think that the collective we, clubs, academies, high schools, um, those that are making the decisions, specifically parents, club coaches, directors, high school coaches, do you think that maybe we're like – focusing on the wrong thing because one thing you talked about earlier was kind of the emotional side the empathy the, the the emotional side of your path because me you know I love playing high school and it, it was it was the people in the stands and I can't I can't put my finger on what it really meant to me or how it really helped me but do you think that maybe things like the Champions League and maybe reframing the narrative do you think there should be an emphasis on the kids' enjoyment over pathway, over development, maybe culture, you know, because there's a whole other side of this debate that everybody always ignores, and that yeah. is, you know, that, 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 that scene, the community. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, again, you know, obviously from when I played and where we're at now, it's, you know, I, I keep telling people that, you know, the landscape's changed. Um, back when I was playing high school soccer real quick was, you know, club wasn't going on, you know, they take a break and then, you know, you've just played high school soccer. Us too. So now, obviously, you know, they, they kind of compete a little bit uh, or actually a lot. So, you know, you got players that are having to make decisions and are they making the decisions or are the parents making them for them? Right. And again, when they're making those decisions, it's all about, okay. So, and, and again, I was telling them, look, you can be told one thing, but at the end of the day, there's no guarantees. All right. So it's just like, you know, using the conversation where if a parent came to me and says, hey, you know, my son's been approached by another club. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a premier club. It's, it's this. It's MLS Next. Okay. The first words I would ask is, what does your son want to do? Or what does your daughter <laughs> right, want to do? Right, right. You know, they're going to go there and obviously, you know, maybe they're not going to play. They're not going to, you know, as much fun as they are here. Their, their friends aren't there. They're all here. So what's important at this stage, you know, uh, of their career? And, and, and where they're going. So, you know, you, you know, you bring up the word, the pathway. I mean, there, there's different pathways. Yeah. Everybody has a different pathway. I mean, I chose the one to come out of high school, but I look at there's, you know, the Jimmy Tejans, the Johnny Hayes and, and Mark Fredrickson's and those, you know, phenomenal players in St. Louis when I was growing up that they just, you know, they chose to go to college first. And then after that, you know, obviously they, they went and played and had a very, very successful careers. So it's just, um, you know, that that's an interesting 
question, JB, and I, I think it's 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 important for these parents to know that you know you think you're making the right decision, and all of a sudden you know they get into uh, a system, a culture, where one they didn't know they were getting into it, they weren't sure about it, and now all of a sudden you know three years later there's so much pressure that they're out of the game. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. Hey, Shoot. David, I I I got this question for you. Um, again, we're six years into this, seven years into this um, uh, um, league, this Champions League. Um, JB referenced it with talking about the kids. How how have the kids received it? Yeah, talk about my question. Talk too. about the kids. Talk about the schools that that are in it. That are in it year after year. The coaches. The 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 um, bragging right. Yeah, just just the whole culture around it. Because high school is big on culture, big on playing for the brand. Has this put the brand and the crest for the high school on steroids? Some. It, it definitely has, and I think that there's. Some decisions we made early on, or I made early on. Um, Jim Jim was um, took the first few years after handing it off to me, and then he um, came back after the first few years. But I, I the very first year, um, I decided when we when we give the Champions League trophy out, it's going to be a spectacular trophy. It's going to be a big trophy, and it's going to get the name like a Stanley Cup does on it. And then we're going to transfer it from one school to the next after they hold it for a year. Um, and the trophy is named the Jim Hart Trophy. <laughs> Um, awesome. established the six state championships here. He was a great candidate. When we added the girls um, tournament last year, it's the Vicky King Trophy, and Vicky's an icon in Florida. Has won more games than anybody else. He's still coaching um, at Land of Lakes High School. Um, but we, we made it something that was like a prized possession when you got it. Um, and, and I think kids started, got it the first year. You know, now we get all Final Four people. They get medals that have the, that are the Champions League logo and the medals onto them. There's an MVP trophy, and um, we had it, the Peak family has donated a a boys and a girls scholarship each year, which is a $2,500 scholarship, which is called the 11th or the 12th Man Scholarship. Nice. Um, I'm That's very awesome. fortunate that um, I'm not on the committee that votes, but I did have a player that was was selected it, and it and it changed his life. He wasn't going to go to college and he got the scholarship and he could afford to go to a community college now um, here. And he's, he's going, he's being a radio uh, a radiologist now and, and just, but it just changes life for him. We've found from the last few years that um, when you get into the champions league, it's a big deal here. And if you're out, we have coaches that are saying, Hey, if anybody drops out, let me know. Cause we want to get in. And um, it's a strength of schedule changes in Florida now with the rankings and how you do the regionals and things. It helps your strength of schedule. And kids now are getting to this this weekend. And a lot of them were supposed to go to the IMG Cup this year or last year, and they're not going anymore. They're coming. They're they're playing in the Champions League finals. I was going to ask that next. So yeah, so it's a, so it's does a big deal. so yeah. do you, do you have pictures of the winning kids carrying the trophy around like Stanley Cup? Are they drinking liquid death out of the top in the hallways? Or are kids <laughs> are kids specifically picking high schools? Have you seen any trend that yeah. kids are picking high schools that are have been um, um, perennial, been, yeah, perennial, perennial visited, Champions yeah. League participants? Yeah, we, we haven't really seen that too much at all. It's not like here in football, it's like it, it happens a lot where all of a sudden all the kids go to one school and they win a state championship and it's, it's there's nobody lives within 10 miles of the school. Soccer-wise, it really doesn't happen too much in Florida as far as kids switching schools. Um, but we we do have, you know, Jesuit has won three of our state champion, or our, excuse me, our Champions League titles here. 
and they're just a powerhouse every year. And, um, you know, someone knocking them off or getting a draw with them in pool play is, is like, a, it's a win for them. Yeah. Um, but they're, 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 uh, their kids go there. Tampa Prep is one. Tampa, Tampa Prep looks this year. Oh, Tampa Prep is loaded this year. And they, I mean, Asher, uh, I can't even think what Asher's last name is. He's one of the best players in Florida. He's going to USF next year um, to play, and he's not playing MLS anymore because he wants to play high school his senior year. Can you um, confirm so or deny that the trophy here is going to be called the Gray Keller tro- Trophy? <laughs> <laughs> that is completely up to them there. So, yeah. Terry Mickler might have something to say a lot about of work that. To put this together. I mean, yeah, he very, has. Very he, well he really has. Denver, all right, his his heart is behind it. That's his awesome. Well, guys, we 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 are approaching the end here, and. Um, I, 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 we could go on and on and on, but I know you guys have lives. I mean, you're down in Tampa. It's like nighttime fishing time. Get out there, you know, and enjoy the scenery. Um, go ahead, Jared. I got one question for you, Perry. For all of the miles and countries and teams and clubs, coaching and playing, JB often asks um, if you mm. can define it. Um, two-part question. We'd like your definition of what you think it is in a young boy or girl, or even a pro, boy or girl. And then also, after you define it, can you tell us the person that you either coached or played with that has it, the highest level of it in your eyes? Well, in talking to younger players, I think it's uh, obviously the question being, you know, what's important? And I think is, is all about opportunity. You know, and, and just being, you know, you got to be prepared. So, you know, whatever, you know, level you're playing at, whether it's in high school, whether it's an MLS next, you know, you just, um, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. I just hate to sound like somebody else's parent, but it's the truth. All right. And, and again, it's just, um, you know, I've played with many, many players, you know, and, and again, it's just hard to single out one, Jared. Um, I've had a lot, you know, <clears throat> when it came right to the Rowdies, you know, we had some, some very famous players that, Played for England, played for their country. Well, how about this? How about this? You went to the World Cup as a teenager in 74 in West Germany, and then yes. four years later you were playing against Franz Beckenbauer and Gerd Müller. Right. Those yeah. guys might have had it. Yeah, no, no, those <laughs> definitely had it. I, you know, I, just got, I got Johan Kreuz jersey, and you got Giorgio Canelli, and, and played against George Best, and, you know, you played against uh, Michelle Patini. Uh, we played when I was playing for Team America in 1983, uh, Juventus, it came over here to play in a friendly. And again, there was like three or four guys that came from St. Louis just to see the game. And I was able to get some of their jerseys. But, you know, here's Italy just won the World Cup. So playing up top, Juventus, you got Paolo Rossi, right? You got Boniak playing on the wing. You got Latini in the midfield, Marco Tardelli. And, you know, there's wow. a star set team. And again, afterwards, hey, guys, let's just go have a few drinks afterwards. Let's, you know, let's, let's just be friends and things like that. So, um, yeah, those are the players that I was, you know, had the opportunity to play against. But again, you know, it, it goes on and on, Jared, and, and, and again, it, it all started back in St. Louis. And, and I just want to say one thing here. I cannot thank you gentlemen enough for having David and myself on your program, all right? Just what you guys are doing as a podcast to grow the game, to spend your time, it's just fantastic, everything you guys do. Thank you. Thanks, Perry. That, I mean, that, mean, that means a lot coming from someone like yourself because, you know, we stumbled into this thing. To, to, I mean, we joke about it. We were going to kill time because the kids are at practice all the time. So yeah. like, oh, let's put, you know, a couple beers and microphones. And I believe this episode will be number 108 or 107. Something. Wow. You know, and you look at our guest list. It, I mean, 
I was joking with somebody the other day. It's the it, it's becoming the encyclopedia of yeah. primarily St. Louis soccer, but we're expanding it. So to have yourself on and David um, with what you guys are doing down there and what has been slingshotted up into our market, there's a lot of people that are going to want that that are going to listen, and they're going to be like, "That's cool," you know, because so many of the families and people and individuals that you know engage our show. They played high school soccer, or they have kids that are doing it, and it's special here. So what you guys are doing by pushing the envelope, it's going to go a long way. So I, I can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Yeah, and, and I'll second with saying that I'm a fan first. I did play the game. I have a son that's playing. He will eventually move on with his life, and I cannot wait um, till our high school champions league gets going because as a fan first, I, I will go to these games. I mean, I, I, I mean, what you guys did down there and what's coming up here, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, David. I, I can't wait to talk to Mr. Hart. Um, I mean, what a great idea. And these coaches that are up here, they're very, very capable, as you know them all. They're going to take this ball and run with it, and they're going to do a good job. Yeah. They are. In fact, I, when I reached out to Greg, I says, Greg, I says, you know, my understanding you guys are starting in September. As soon as you know the dates, let me know. And I think Greg has, you know, an idea of inviting – you know, some some of our generation, maybe the generation before us and the generation after to, you know, some of the first games just to be present and just to watch this thing take off. So well, that, we're really looking forward to it. That'd be awesome. Hey, Perry, next time you're back in the loo for any of this or any other reason, you got to hit us up. We'll come and get some urban chestnut beer and pizza, right? We'll do that. I love it. It's yeah. our treat. And David, <laughs> David, you're more than welcome to come along, man, because the pizza and beer down there in Florida, it's not the same. We, we got, we, we got right, you right. covered up here. <laughs> All right. Well, well, actually, uh, since uh, St. Louis City started, I went to the home opener, and I've been back to St. Louis probably ten times since March. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yes. you got to you got to hit us up because we're season ticket holders, so we're next next season. Great atmosphere. We'll all do it. Um, yeah. gen- gentlemen, thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll us out here with some more Tom Petty in honor of the Floridians. Do you consider yourself a Missourian, a St. Louisan, a Floridian? What are you these days, Barry? I was born and raised in St. Louis. I mean, you know, I've been here most of my life. I came here in, when I was 18. I'm now 64. But, uh, you know, it's just always good to go back. And, you know, when I get back, I, you know, go down to Scott Gallagher and watch games with Steve Chichu and Jeff Davis and Steve Petcher oh. and Larry Hulser and, you know, the guys you grew up with playing and stuff like that. I came back for Pete Sober's birthday when he turned 94. I heard so, that was uh, a great night, man. Hey, Jared, did yes. you notice whose name he named first? Good old, Gra- good old Granite City boy. Yeah, and you know what? I brought Stevie Trichu down here to play for the Rowdies. That, I yeah, know. Steve he was uh, I brought him down here. Yeah, Steve and I are very close. And you're right. He's Granite City boy. And he's a good player. Good person. Well, like, let me ask you this, because his hips are destroyed. So yeah. is that because he trained with you? So did you just just tie him grind up him, in pretzels? Just grind him. Because no, no, he can't move hardly. Yeah, Steve, I'll tell you what. Steve was one of those guys, you know, he gave it everything he got. So, you know, yeah. he, another thing about him is it, he's coaching. He, he's yes. an excellent coach. Yeah, he's he's, so he's great yes. around the age group of kids that he's coaching. He, he's he's a really good plus for and, the, and like in St. Louis, you had it. You met, referenced your coaches. This generation will also be able to go back and be like, I had Street, uh, Steve Tr- Trichu coach me. You know what I mean? Right. Super cool. Yeah. Well, boys, so I was sitting there one Sunday real quick, and you know, I ran into Ken Goda, and I know of Ken. You know, just you know, obviously got some years on him, and I just watched him what he was doing in one of his sessions at Scott Gallagher. And then, you know, we actually kind of met up. We're watching uh, one of the Academy games, and 
he says, Perry, he says, uh, you know, your coach, Vince Drake, you know, when he was coaching us and his son, he says he would always, you know, reference you and a couple of players for Aquinas. So it was always like, you know, here we are, you know, looking at players. And I can say many names because when I played club soccer, it was the St. Louis City or uh, St. Louis County League. Yep. Then you had the Pepsi League, you know, the Farson Celtics and the Farson Cougars. And that's where Steve Petra and I, we just go round and round. But wow. going to Pete Starver's birthday party is an absolute, you know, it's a time, it's just, a time war. North County, South County, we all get together. We just talk soccer. Is it? Isn't it crazy? I mean, we 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 look at it, and we're at the point now here. You're talking three generations. Yes. You know, like Sorbers in particular. You know, yep. his son now is entering back into the mix to take a chance, go play pro, and you know, and you got Pete, then Mike, and now his son. It's crazy. So we could go on and on and on. I really. I want to go ahead and let you guys off the hook here <laughs> so so we don't ruin your dinner and, and after dinner drinks here. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Dave, um, I'm going to be following Champions League closely because I think it's cool as hell. And I wish you guys the best of luck in continuing to grow it because I have a feeling it'll thrive here. It will absolutely thrive. Who, who wins your Champions League? If you had to bet your house payment on it, who wins it? Uh, well, on the boys' side, I take uh, Tampa Prep this year, and yeah, on the girls' yeah. side, I'll, the girls' side, I'll go with Palm Harbor. They won it last year, and they're really strong again this year. But some like girls also could give them a run. Nice. Okay, f- last yeah. question, uh, Perry. Does uh, Tampa Prep beat the St. Louis winner, TBD? I would love to see that. <laughs> I would love to see that game. You know, that's, it's, a, it's, it, that, that's a tough call. But again, I, I would love to see that game. That would be so much fun. It really would. Hey, gentlemen, we're going to let you go I'll ahead. Make that work someday. Oh, I would love it. I would go. We would definitely go to that one. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, we're going to go ahead and let you guys bounce off. We're going to close it out here on our side. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Uh, thank you for okay. listening, and we appreciate all the likes, shares, views, all that free stuff. Because no, I don't see anybody here buying us beers, right, Jared? <laughs> Shine's going to get this tab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, we, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you very yeah, much. Merry Christmas, guys. Thank you, Perry. Thank you, David. Thank we'll you catch guys. up with you guys next right, time. Thank you. Yeah, you guys have been fantastic. Thanks. Awesome. Right, take take care. care. Bye, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, stay here. All right. Get that. We are back. We didn't go anywhere, actually. What do you think, Jared? You know, I think uh, you kind of referenced it. We've referenced it in other shows. Um the most exciting part about it is let's take the arguments away from hit the red button, hit the red button. Yeah, let's take the arguments away from everything about which pathway is right or wrong. It's just there's in the Southeast in a very rich soccer community. And then moving here shortly or already moved here. There is another group of other soccer leaders that are doing something cool. Yeah. So like, how can you hate on it? Well, you can't. And I think that, you know, and I, I, I tried to lean into that whole uh, progress, change. It, it, um, it just do something different, you know, because there's only so many things you can do for so long at the top of the pile until you're on the wrong pile. You, you know, you're not changing. And that's, that's kind of, look. High school soccer has been great. It's always great. Every single year, there's great stories. There's great experiences, pathways, winners, losers, all of that. But 
within the broader world of uh, youth soccer, competitive soccer, there was another race that was going on that was advancing much further down the field. You know, we've had multiple people say this from multiple t- different um, communities in our soccer world, college coaches, high school coaches, high school ADs, David today, uh, the high school coaches we've talked to here. The most exciting part about it is, is since change is happening on that side, is at some point when these groups work together for the betterment of the kid, yes. meaning that I, I loved his reference, 22 on the roster, you can have 18 dress. Well, a lot of times that five to seven, that number is the kids that are in that mix that aren't dressing. Well, why not get them meaningful games and work together? Yeah, and, and when that all changes, I, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think this has ever been, for me, all or nothing because I wanted to see change. I'm I'm fully in a particular camp when it comes to the the, the, the true accelerated kids. There's, there's diminishing returns if they chose anything other than where they're at. Um, however, the vast majority are not in that camp. So now it's their prerogative. It's their household. It's their personal choices with their parents and the clubs and everybody else involved for them to do whatever they want to do. That's called choice, right? Mm-hmm. However, things like Champions League now, there's, there's, a, there's a bigger carrot on the stick. You know, a little bit, little bit more intriguing uh, than what was there five years ago, three, three years ago, whatever. Uh, so it was cool. That was a lot of fun. Um, appreciate you joining me tonight. And thank you to Urban Chestnut, John Shine. You guys kill it every time. Uh, Explore STL. Toss down some Grove options. The Grove trifecta. Just stay close. H2, any of those. But get your sandwich at Gramophone. Have some beers at a festival out on the street, then come down the block, have a nightcap at Urban, and a slice of pie to go. And you win. You can't beat it. And I'm looking at the bar here. They have a Tom Beyer soccer ball on the bar. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're on the way out. Catch you next time.